good morning, everyone. So glad to have you with us this morning. Christ is all we ever need. Amen. Take your songbook now and turn with me to song number 385. 385, a great old hymn. It's called The Bible Stands. Let's stand together as we sing this great hymn. All right? The Bible stands like a rock undaunted in the raging storms of time. Its pages burn with the truth eternal and they flow with the lights of mine. The Bible stands though the hills may tumble it will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble I will plant my feet on its firm day, God, we thank you for this time that we have in your house. Uh, Lord, I do pray that you would just uh, be with our country, Lord. We need you in a mighty way in our country, and I thank you for our country and the freedom that we have uh, to be here this morning. And God, I do pray that you would be with uh, all that goes on, Lord, be with the children's church in the back, be with the teachers in the top. And Lord, I pray you'd be with our choirs. We sing, Lord, and, and God, just give us uh, uh, a good, a good singing, and God, I pray that you'll be with Pastor Mike as he preaches, Lord, and, and uh, just speak through him to our hearts, Lord, and, and God, I do pray that you'd be with that one uh, that is here that doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I pray before they leave this place, they'll come to know you, and God, I love you and thank you for what you're going to do, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're excited to have each one of you here with us this morning. We'd like to take a moment and recognize those that are visiting with us for the very first time. Anyone here? First time you've ever been with us? Still got one back here. He's still with us from Michigan. Glad to have you with us. God bless you. Anyone else? All right. Well, it's good to have Matoya's back. They said they were gone for two months. Somebody told me, and they showed up yesterday. Did you believe that? But Alex David had a birthday while he's gone. That's why they left town. He didn't want me to sing. So, so I won't do that. But we're glad to have you folks back. God bless you. 
All right. Did I tell you to turn your cell phones off yet? Well, you got to do it. You know, you just got to do it. I don't want no Rocky Mountain, Rocky Top going off during the service today, okay? We'd appreciate that very much. All right. There will be choir practice this afternoon at 5.30, so if you'd like to be part of our choir, please come and join with us. We'd love to have you do that, all right? I'm going to ask Brother Ted to come down and give us our announcements. <laughs> I told Brother Ted I wanted to say something, so I caught you off guard again a little bit. Hey, listen, the uh, Institute class is going to start the first Thursday night in September. It'll be Thursday night at 6 o'clock here at the church and uh, there's a sign-up sheet out back from my class called the School of the Bible. And if, you'll, if you take my class for two years, there's 12 subjects in it. Past the subjects, it's uh, tied with Crown College. And you can actually walk the aisle and get a, bi- a two-year Bible degree uh, from Crown College. And so, but if you're interested, I need to be able to get the material here and get everything I need in it. And so uh, do that. And then, well, we'd sure like to have you on Thursday nights, but the Ted's got some stuff he's doing and some other things in our institute class. And so we'll just be glad to have you. God bless you. <laughs> Our class, my class is a Bible survey class, and um, we've been in the Bible survey for several years now. <laughs> and we're, we're going to finish up, I think, 2 Samuel, Lord willing, this semester, and get into the Kings and the Chronicles. But we're glad you're here today. Uh, God bless you for coming this, this morning. And uh, my goodness, uh, I think we've been kind of uh, uh, had a lot of things going on uh, in our community. School started. That was a big deal, wasn't it? And after school started, we had the 127 yard sale, and that was a big deal. How many of you went to the 127 yard sale? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you did not? Okay. We won't say anything more about that then. And then after that, uh, uh, the fair. How many of you went to the fair? Okay, that's good. You know what? I, that was a great thing. Our, our folks went out there, and I mean, they were tireless Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And God gave, uh, God gave them 15 souls uh, this past week. And so we're so thankful for all the labor and uh, the witnessing that went on uh, out there at the fair. And I, I am so uh, proud of, of our, our, our group that went out there. And so we want you to continue to pray for these as we follow up on these that were saved during the fair. And we want to see them uh, come and get baptized and start walking that Christian walk. Amen. That's what we want to do. Now, we've got to, a bunch of announcements. I'm going to try to I go through them as quickly as I possibly can. Now, there will be a youth choir practice right after church today. And then, of course, our evening service is at 6.30. And then Tuesday morning, the ladies will be meeting up there for their prayer group on the upper end at 8 o'clock. We will be having visitation uh, at 6 o'clock this Tuesday. And if you'd like supper, it's at 5.30. Now, also, we'll be going to Windridge again this uh, Uh, this Tuesday evening as well. And then Wednesday morning, we'll be going uh, over to our other uh, nursing home, the Dominion Senior Living, and we want you to be much in prayer about that. And then next month, Lord willing, we'll be going out to Fairfield uh, Glade there, the Good Samaritan home out there, starting 
next month. So pray about that as well. Now, this coming Wednesday, of course, is our midweek prayer and Bible study. And, of course, the kids' club goes on, the teen class. That all starts at 7 o'clock here on Wednesday night. And then uh, this coming Friday, uh, this coming Friday is the call to harvest. And uh, that's going to start at 5 o'clock in the afternoon for supper. Now, we would like for you, especially those of you who attend, or even if you can attend, but if you wanted to help us out, we'd like to have some kind of a side dish and, or, and a dessert uh, and, or some drink, uh, some kind of a drink that you could bring for that evening. And uh, we'll be eating at 5 o'clock and then coming back in here in the auditorium at 7, uh, where uh, Brother uh, Tim Tomlinson will be here with us and then also uh, Matthew Whiteside will be here with us. And I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a great service. Uh, this coming Friday and then Saturday, uh, the teens will be having a youth rally at Fairview Baptist Church. They will be leaving the church at 7 o'clock Saturday morning. And then they will be returning somewhere around 3.30 in the afternoon. So I encourage your young people to, to attend that. That will be a great time for them to go over there to Fairview Baptist as well. Now next Sunday is Old Fashioned Sunday. And uh, boy, it's going to be great to... I'm going to get to wear my bibs. Amen, Brother Ted? Amen, I'm going to get to wear them. And so we're, we're looking forward to a great time next, next Sunday on Old Fashioned Day. And then uh, uh, on the 27th, not tomorrow night, but uh, a week from tomorrow evening, at 6 o'clock in the evening, there's going to be an open house. We're starting a group here called uh, Trail Life. For the, for the boys, and American Heritage for the girls. This is for ages from 5 all the way up through 17. And it's sort of like a Boy Scout and Girl Scout, and, and only it has a strong Christian theme to it. And uh, one of the things, I was looking at the brochure, and you can pick up one of those brochures and sign up and get a little bit of information out there in the uh, uh, lobby there before you leave today. And then, uh, but on that Monday uh, evening, uh, it'll be kind of an open house and you can ask a lot of different questions and see what's going on. But one of the things I liked about the brochure, it says uh, that, uh, that one of their goals is to let boys be boys and girls be girls. Amen? I kind of like that, don't you? That's pretty good philosophy to go by in the day and age that we're living in. And so uh, we want you to encourage you to look into that and have your child from 5 to 17 uh, perhaps maybe uh, en enroll into that, okay? Now, ushers, if you would come at this time. We do want you to pray for uh, the family, uh, Brother Jack Davis. Brother Jack Davis went home to be with the Lord uh, yesterday morning, early, I believe it was. And um, uh, none of the arrangements have been made yet. We will let you know as to what the arrangements are. Will be probably here at the church, but uh, be much in prayer uh, for the Jack Davis family, if you would please. I'm going to ask if Brother Carl Curley, if he would, to come at this time and lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be in your house with your people this morning, Lord, and just thank you for the great freedom and 
and an opportunity we have to be here. Just be with the services, Lord, as they're continuing to go on. Be with all the kids' teachers, Lord, in the back with the kids. Just help them as they're trying to guide them as they have them this morning. And Lord, be with Dad as he's getting ready to preach in a few minutes. Just fill him with your spirit. For those of us that are just going to be listening, just uh, open our hearts to you, Lord, and help us to move in any way you'd have us to move and to see you uh, better than we uh, saw you coming in this morning, Lord. And uh, do want to pray for the offering we're about to take up. Just take it and use it uh, as you will for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us to be here today and for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. I know I had a long list of announcements and I forgot a couple of them. And so if you would bear with me, please. Um, we'd also like for you to pray for our Miss Rita Ward. She's in the hospital over in Nashville. So if you would please remember her in prayer. Also, there will be a baby shower uh, for uh, Jade and Corey Walker. And that will be held next Sunday, uh, right after church back in the uh, fellowship hall. And of course, all are encouraged to uh, attend that as well, okay? God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, that means I might be a great-grandfather here. Or a great, yeah, that's what I'd be, great-grandfather. <laughs> Amen.
page 139. Are right, y'all doing well? And I want to hear you. I may sing here, so you'll have to sing louder. <laughs> Shake hands and fellowship back to the second verse of At Calvary. Let's take
the last verse. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God dispatched. seated. Miss Rhonda, hold up a minute. Miss Rhonda, hold up just one minute. Miss Trish Richards had a birthday, and she was going to slide right out of here. Nobody's going to know about it, but everybody in the whole church told me it's your birthday, Trish. Okay, here you go. All right, before our pastor comes, Miss Haley Shue is going to bring you a special message. In a place called Lodabar, there lived a young man who was crippled from a fall. His name was Mephibosheth. The son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. He was trying to survive. Since Jonathan and Saul were slain, it seemed all hope was in vain. And each lonely night was spent in fear of what another day would bring. Sorry. Then one day King David said, there is one thing I'd like to do. Is there one of the house of Saul? Someone I can show my kindness to. Someone sat down in Lodabar. There lives a son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, the crippled one. David said, go and find him and bring him this message from the king. Mephibosheth, forever put your fears to rest. Come and be my table guest. To you I'll be a father, and my son you'll always be. Mephibosheth, please accept the invitation. I've made all the preparations. Mephibosheth cried, oh, how can it be? that a king could ever love someone like me. Living in Lodabar, where there's no comfort for a troubled soul, just a place full of broken hearts, never knowing what the future holds. But now that I've met the king, there's nothing like his love for me. Now I'm part of the family, since someone came and knocked on my door with this message from the king. Mephibosheth, forever put your fears to rest. 
Come and be my table guest, to you I'll be a father, and my son you'll always be. Mephibosheth, please accept the invitation, I've made all the preparations. Mephibosheth cried, oh how can it be that a king could ever love someone like me? I rejoice when I recall the day I watched those bridges burn, when I said goodbye to Lodabar, never to return, Mephibosheth. Forever put your fears to rest. Come and be my table guest. To you I'll be a father, and my son you'll always be. Mephibosheth, please accept the invitation. I've made all the preparations. Mephibosheth cried, oh, how can it be that a king could ever love someone? How could he ever love someone? It's good to know he'd love someone like me. Yeah. Amen. God bless you, Haley. And what a great old song. What a great message in that song. David had made a vow to Jonathan that when God made him king, he would not kill his family. Jonathan and Saul were killed in battle. Mephibosheth had his legs broken when he failed that day. He was just a child. He lived in Lodabar. David honored that vow. But what a great typology it is to us that we live in Lodabar. The word Lodabar means a place of no bread. And he brought him to Bethlehem and uh, the bread basket. What a great truth. What a great, great truth. Have your Bible now. You thought I was going to forget it, didn't you? Hold your Bible up for me real good. Got the Word of God, this great sword of the Spirit, and I want you to hold it up for me. Now, if you've been reading your Bible this week, keep holding it up. You're working on your Bibles. And bring your Bible to church. That way you can follow along with me and see what's happening. And uh, get your Bible, it'll help you. Matthew chapter 5. First book of the New Testament, first of the Gospels. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 21. When you find verse 21... If you're physically able to do so, I'd invite you to stand to your feet with me, please, out of respect of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, we'll read through verse 26, then I'm going to have you read one of those verses with me. Matthew chapter uh, chapter 5, verse number 21, and the Bible says, Ye have heard it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar. Go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst they are in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost fathering. Verse number 21 is the text verse for this morning. I'm going to take a thought out of that verse. Let's read that verse together. You ready? You have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not 
kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Four times that word danger is mentioned in our text. Once in verse 21, and then three times in verse 23. Now all four times it's talking about danger of judgment of eternal things. And I've taken that thought of this text, of what our Lord had and entitled this message, Eternal Danger. Eternal Danger. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you today for allowing us to be able to come out and have this time we can be together in thy house. Oh, dear Jesus, we have enjoyed the moving of the Holy Spirit in our Sunday school hour. And Lord, the sweet fellowship of our people in our fellowship and the singing of the songs of Zion. Now we've come to this portion of the service and the bread of life has been broken. And I stand in front of thy people in thy house again and I recognize two things aware, very acutely aware of again. Number one, my inability to preach this message. And number two, my unworthiness to preach it. And so, dear Jesus, once again I would ask you to forgive me of my sin. Please, dear God, cleanse me afresh and anew with the blood of Calvary. Make me a vessel fit for thy service. And Holy Ghost, I would ask that you'd fill me with power. And I can preach in such a manner that uh, every person here under the sound of my voice would feel that this message is for them and them alone. May the lost get saved. May the saved be challenged. May the backslidden be reclaimed. And most importantly and above all things, may Jesus Christ be uplifted and glorified. For it is in His name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Lord began to tell me about this text and this particular thing in this, this uh, eternal danger. I want to set the stage for this to give you a little bit of just what's happening here. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It is the first recorded sermon that our Lord uh, preached that we have recorded for us when He started His earthly ministry. It starts in verses 3 through 12 with what we call the Beatitudes. Now the Beatitudes are, thing, are attitudes that you and I ought to possess. It is things that God uh, is encouraging us to add to our lives. And, and, and so we have the Beatitudes. We ought to add those things and uh, add those to our lives. Then in verses 13 through 16, he deals with Christian influence. We are the light of the world and uh, we are the salt of the earth. Uh, it's Christian influence. And certainly we ought to be having influence wherever we're at. That's why it's important that there be uh, God's people all over the world. Uh, in our workplaces and where we're at, we ought, to, we ought to be light and salt. We ought to have an influence where we're at. So Jesus is uh, giving us in the Beatitudes how He expects us to act and what He expects us to, our characteristics and how we're to live and how we're to take persecution and then we're to be, our influence is to be all over the world. And then, in the next few verses, starting uh, there uh, in verse 17 uh, through uh, verse number 20, he deals with the sacredness of the Word of God. That he's not going to change the law. He didn't come to destroy the law, but only to fulfill it. And that until uh, all of the prophecy is fulfilled, not one jot or one tittle is going to pass till it's all fulfilled. He gives us the sacredness of this holy book that we have. It's not written by man. It's written by God, inspired by God. It's not the writings of men. It's the writings of God. And so in those first three things that he deals with in the Sermon on the Mount, there's about 25 topics that our Lord deals with uh, during that Sermon on the Mount. And during those first three topics, he sets the stage for everything else. 
It sets the stage for our attitudes and what we ought to live and act like and, and gives us that we should have an influence in the world around us and in the sacredness of the Word of God. And then He begins to deal with our lives. He begins to deal with where we live and where the rubber meets the pavement. And the next several chapters, next uh, the rest of chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, deals with those things. There'll be about 22 or... Uh, 21, 22 things that he deals with specifically that just covers every point of life. And so I want you to look at this and we'll see what it says in verse 21 and you'll see the topic. Verse number 21 says, You have heard that it has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, as human beings, we are interested in the actions of, of others. And by the way, Jesus is interested in their actions. And, and you notice he says, now, now you've heard it said, and there's an action here. Now by the way, he's, uh, you, you know, he's talking about murder here, and that's one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. He's not contradicting that, nor is he changing that. He made that very clear in the verses above it. But there's a point here. As human beings, we are always looking at actions. It's what we see of everybody. We see their actions. Now Jesus, on the other hand, He sees their actions, and He will deal with their actions. But the first thing that the Lord is looking at is our attitude, our heart. And so there's those two things, our attitude and our actions. And by the way, my attitude always affects my actions, and your attitude always affects your actions, always. And you see that in verse 22, where he says, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. And I want you to notice that anger, that's an attitude. That's going to produce some actions, but it's an attitude. And so that comes from the heart. And so I can say this. There's the Lord's dealing with our attitudes and our actions. But He's looking at my heart. And He's looking at your heart. Now hold something here. We're going to be back here quite a bit. But I want to get a couple of, of passages just to solidify that truth. Once you go to Old Testament text, Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, we want to see something. Proverbs chapter 4, and the, the, that's not really what phrase that is. It The fourth proverb, the 23rd verse. That's the best way to phrase it. Uh, the fourth proverb, the 23rd verse. I want you to notice this. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now I want you to notice the Lord says now, you need to, you need to pay attention to your own heart. For out of the heart are the issues of life. That's, that's where they come from. They come out of my heart, come out of your heart. My attitudes, which affects my actions, the issues of life, they come out of the heart. Now let's go back to the New Testament text. Go to Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, you're going to find uh, Jesus expounding upon that principle. This could be called a sister passage to that in Proverbs. And uh, I want you to notice what it says. We'll begin reading in verse number 16. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth 
goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now I want you to notice that Jesus is expounding upon this principle that He gave Solomon uh, by inspiration in Proverbs 4.23. Out of the heart comes the issues of life. Out of the heart is where... Is, is what affects my attitude. And out of my heart, out of your heart, and Jesus, oh, He's going to deal with my actions, but He's looking at my heart. He's looking at my... And by the way, my attitude shows very clearly what's in my heart. So go back to our text now, and in Matthew chapter 5, and I've sort of laid a foundation a little bit. And so Jesus, in giving the Beatitudes, and then the Christian influence, and then the sacredness of the Word, He begins to deal with eternal danger. I mean, they're in danger of going to hell. Eternal danger. Danger of being judged by God. Eternal danger. Well, what causes that eternal danger? And sometimes we've flippantly read through this passage, and we think it has to do with saying words and it's not the words, it's not the action. It's what's in the heart that creates the action. And that's what Jesus is dealing with here, is what is in my heart. And I want you to notice back in verse number 22, we'll go to that again, but I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. I want you to notice the attitude of anger. Lord, we're going to open my heart to this text this week. I spent quite a bit of time on it, actually. You begin to deal with my, my heart about anger. But do you realize that probably most things that really get you and I in trouble stems initially from an attitude or a heart of being angry? Something strikes us the wrong way and we don't like it and we get angry. Something just doesn't sit right with us and the next thing you know you get angry and it creates an attitude. Now I want you to notice he says, without a cause. Now by the way, that's an important phrase. You all know that we're very, I'm very solid. We've got a perfect Bible and some of these newfangled things takes that phrase out. That needs to be left in there. God left it in there for a purpose. You say, why is that? Well, if you leave that phrase out, it says he was angry. <laughs> now hold on a minute. The Lord got angry. In his earthly walk, Jesus got angry. You say, can you prove that? I sure can. Hold something here. Go to Mark chapter 3 with me just a minute. Chapter, uh, yes, chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, Jesus is in the synagogue early on in the ministry. He's already done something on the Sabbath day. It's ticked the Jews off. They're angry. Their attitude is against him. And here's a man in the synagogue that has a withered hand. And the Jews are looking to see if they can condemn him for healing the man on the Sabbath. And so in verse number 5, Jesus now, watch what it says, and when he had looked round about on them with, what does that say? 
anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now I want you to notice what the anger produced in Christ. When he says, be angry and sin not. Now you and I are going to have, we're going to have anger. It's a human emotion. My, by the way, it's, it is a characteristic that God has. I mean, three different times during earthly ministry, once at the first and twice at the end, Jesus made a whip and beat the people out of the temple, the, what he called the money changers, the den of thieves. Yeah, I think he was pretty angry at that time. But what does the anger, what should it produce? This verse tells me. If the anger, when I get angry, it ought to produce something. It ought not to produce vengeance and bitterness and malice and envy and hatred. By the way, that's most of the time what our anger produces. Whenever that we get angry, it produces that we, we're going to get even. We're going to take care of that. I'm going to teach somebody a lesson. You understand? That's not what it did to Jesus. And I want you to notice what it produced. And if I'm going to be angry and sin not, boy, it's going to take the power of God. Now you're in the text. You're in verse number 5. And when He looked round about upon them with anger, now watch what it produced. Being grieved for the hardness of heart. I want you to notice something. It didn't make Him bitter. It didn't make him say, I'm going to get even with them. He was God. He could have just spoke them out of existence. He was grieved. It saddened him. Now I want to tell you what my anger ought to do to me. It ought not to make me have in my heart this feeling of I'm going to get even. It ought to grieve me because whoever's done whatever they've done don't understand and they have a hard heart toward God. There's a great truth in that. So when Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 5, if you're angry without a cause, oh, you're going to get angry. There's really no way around that. And I deal with people every time and say, well, I never get mad. And now they're lying. And I can assure you of that. But we can let the Lord help us with our anger. And I need a good understanding of the Word of God so that when something happens, I don't look at it from my flesh, but I look at it through the lens of the Word of God, and instead of being angry and vengeful and hatred and bitterness, I'm grieved and sorrowful. By the way, it'll change your whole attitude. It'll change the way you deal with people. It'll change the way you handle situations. Now, we like to get angry. Uh, that, that's my flesh, that's your flesh. Uh, we, when somebody does something we don't like, we want them to know that they've ticked us off. We like for them to know. Amen or oh me? Man, I know. I'm, I'm human, I know. God has to deal with Mike's anger all the time. Mike has to deal with Mike's anger a lot. And I guarantee you have to deal with yours, or your anger is going to get you in trouble. It's going to get you in trouble with God. It causes other trouble in your life too, but it gets you in trouble with God. And so part of this eternal danger deals with anger, and I've got to 
without a cause. Now there's another cause with anger that we don't like as well. You have your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. Now, you, you can put something here. We'll come back to Ephesians 4 on the second point in just a moment. But we'll find there's anger without a cause. Now, anger without a cause, uh, you're, you're going to find when, we, when I have anger without a cause, it's condemnation. I mean, if I'm angry without a cause, in other words, it doesn't grieve me, I'm going to condemn somebody. It has in my heart that I'm looking at them and I'm thinking how stupid they are, how evil they are, how... You understand. It's condemnation. And Jesus says, now be careful. You have anger without a cause, it's going to cause you to be brought up in judgment. Why is that? Because it controls your heart and it creates an attitude that should not be there. Now what's the next one? You're in Ephesians 4, but now I trust. Look, if you will, in verse number 26. Notice the second thing without a cause. Notice what it says. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now what does that say? He said, now listen, you're going to be angry, but don't sin in the anger. Be angry and sin not. Alright, now number one, that means that I'm not to, uh, my anger needs to be grief, not otherwise. But secondly, I want you to notice without a deal with the anger and let it go quickly. Notice what it says. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, he says, now look here, Mike. You're going to get angry at time to time. Something's going to tick you off. Something's going to make you mad. I want you to have the right attitude about it. I want you to cause that to cause you grief, not bitterness. Not resentment, not discouragement. And I'm, before you pillow your head at night, I want you to let it go. And that's what gets most of us in trouble. Because we do not let it go. We're angry because somebody has done something to us. They have wronged us. And by the way, sometimes it's horrible wrongs. Like, I've lived long enough to have been wronged, and unfortunately, I've lived long enough that I've wronged others. And if you're honest, you find yourself in that same two, you'll find yourself in both of those things. You will, if you're honest. And in that, I have to learn to let it go before the night's up. You say, you just don't know what it did to me. I have a right. No, you do not. That is without cause. When I am angry without cause, Jesus says here, and we'll come back to this text in a few moments, in another part of this anger, I don't have a cause to continue to be angry. Well, nobody likes that, because we justify our causes. They are wicked. They are evil. And I, that I have a right to be angry. As long as I live, I have a right. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that I am to let it go. Alright, now go back to our text. So we find in our text the very first thing he says, in verse 22, But I say unto you, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. There's eternal danger in being angry without a cause. Now the anger 
without a cause is condemnation. We're, we're condemning people. By the way, I'm not the judge and neither are you. But we're condemning them. And we, we're, we, we don't have grief over their condition, their hard heart. And we hold on to it. We do not let it go. By the way, that's without a cause. If I'm bitter and angry at somebody here today and I haven't let it go, and I'm condemning them because if they were just as smart as me, they'd see why they were wrong, and they'd do what I do. By the way, isn't that the way we feel? That is exactly the way we feel. That's why we're angry at them. Amen or on me. It's without cause. Jesus is without cause. When He was angry at the multitude over something they were wrong at, he was grieved. If I'm angry at someone, I'm not grieved at it. I'm bitter at it. It's without cause. Y'all grasp that. So the eternal danger is my anger. My eternal danger is Mike's anger. Your eternal danger is your anger. You allow your anger to control you and without cause. The Lord says, you're going to be in danger of the judgment. I'm going to have to deal with you over your anger. I'm going to deal with you over it. Number two, go back to verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever shall be angry at his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Now what does that word Raka mean? By the way, it's only found one time in all the Word of God, and we just read it. That word Raka means bitterness. It is a term used of vilification. Somebody makes you angry and you, you, you look at them and, and well, I've never heard anybody say raka. I'm an old dumb country boy. We can't speak plain English, let alone real fancy words. But I've heard people say some pretty vilifying things when they're angry. I'm not going to repeat them here. <laughs> but what they were saying is vilified them as I hate you and I don't like where you're at. I can't stand you. And, and it has that kind of an attitude connected with it. And Jesus says, you let your anger get you to the point to where you look at somebody with hatred and anger and can't stand them. He said, you're in danger. You're in danger of the council of being brought before men judged for your harshness. And what does that mean? Let me give you a couple of supporting verses, some things that will help us with that. I told you to... Keep that in Ephesians. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. and We're going to see something in Ephesians chapter 4. The last four verses of Ephesians 4 deals with that very thing. You see, if I'm not careful, my anger is eternal danger. It caused me to condemn people. It's eternal danger. It caused me to be in bitterness with people. Now notice Ephesians 4. Go down to verse number 29. and We'll pick up there and read through the end of the chapter. Notice what it says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Verse 29, Jesus says, Hey, listen, don't be talking about people. Anything comes out of your mouth, it ought not to be running people down. It ought not to be talking bad about them. It ought not to be saying, Well, you know what they did? You know why I don't like them? Let me tell you what they did a few years ago. Why? Jesus says, don't let that come out of your mouth. 
But you ought to be able to be saying about someone, hey, you know, you know what that man, that one, I like this. Let me tell you characteristics they've got. Let me tell you something they're good at. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about their grace. Let me tell you something used to edify. By the way, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Oh, but he gets a whole lot more clearer than that. Keep reading, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. It grieves the Holy Spirit when I run my mouth about other people. It grieves the Holy Spirit when I let my anger cause me to, to just want to talk about people and want to run them down and want to say things about them and want other people to think something bad about them. That's, that's why I got this spirit of racka. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit inside of me. And if you're saved, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I keep reading. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you from you with all malice. By the way, it didn't say some. It didn't say most. It says all in every place there. You see, the Lord doesn't give me the choice. Well, I can choose this person and not that person. I can put it away with this and not, not that. He says, now look here, Mike. You're going to live in this life, and you're going to get angry sometimes. And I want you to be angry and sin not. I want you to let it go before the sun goes down. I want you to not talk about it and run people down. I don't want you to be bitter and angry. It's not good for you nor for others. Okay, Lord, if I do that, what do you want me to do? Verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I want you to notice that God expects me to forgive as He's forgiven me. God expects you to forgive as God has forgiven you. How's God forgiven you and I? Completely. He doesn't bring it back up. It's in the sea of His forgetfulness. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's behind His back. You know a real good litmus test to find out whether you've forgiven somebody or something or not? If you bring it back up. We're real good at judging things and real good at saying, well, I've forgiven them, but let me tell you what they did to me one time. No, you haven't. Or you wouldn't bring it up. I've forgiven them, but I don't like them because... No, you haven't. I've forgiven them, and I don't have anything against them, but I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw. No, you, ha no, you haven't forgiven them. You're still bitter and you're still angry and you're still running your mouth and you're grieving the Holy Spirit and it is eternal damnation, eternal danger because it's destroying you. It's destroying you. It's great truth. You see, go back to our text now. And Jesus is saying, now listen, I'm concerned about your attitude. I'm concerned of what your anger does to you. And you've noticed in verse 22... But I say unto you that whosoever is angry at his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Well, without a cause. Lord, I've got a cause. No, you don't, Mike. I don't want you to, I want you to be grieved over it, not bitter. I want you to let it go before the night's out. 
Well, Lord, I don't want to do that or not. You'd be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever say to his brother Raka should be in danger of the council. Lord said, Mike, I sure don't want you to get an attitude to where you're just vilifying somebody and you're angry at them. And by the way, we find that is bitterness. Bitterness will destroy you. We find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, that bitterness is a root that's in you. And it springs up and defiles those around you. It has to be dug out. It's caused by anger. Lastly, we're about done. I'm going to tie all this together. Look at the last part of verse number 22. And I want you to notice, But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I remember growing up and I'd hear someone say something about someone being a fool and someone would say, oh, you shouldn't say that. You're in danger of going to hell. And I think that doesn't, that doesn't compute. The only reason somebody goes to hell is because they reject Christ. And by the way, Jesus called people fools. <laughs> the Bible does. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Amen. What does that mean? We see it's an attitude. We see the first attitude is we have an attitude of condemnation. Anger without cause, and we've condemned them. We see the second thing, raka, is bitterness. We say, thou fool! It's because we hate them. And we'll never turn that hatred loose. I know people that hate others, and it's destroyed their lives. It is eternal damnation. It's destroyed their children's lives. I'm old enough now that I knew people when I was in school that got angry and hated somebody. And it's sad what it's done to their families. We're old enough to have grandchildren now and it's affecting their grandkids because they're angry and they hate somebody. And they hate what they did and they want everybody to know it. And they hate them and they're a fool! You understand? Eternal danger. You know what the eternal danger is? My anger. Now look what God says about hatred. It's an interesting thing. Look, if you will, in chapter 6, just over one page. I want you to notice something about being able to forgive. It's going to be tied with God dealing with, with us. You come to the end of the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer sometimes. And verse 14 says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's not a soul in here this morning who wouldn't want God to forgive you. Well, I sure want to have a clean account with God. I want my God to not punish me. I don't want to be in some sort of chastisement. I, I, I won't to not grieve the Holy Spirit. I, I, I want God to work with me. Well, part of that is me forgiving others like God's forgiven me. That's a conscious decision. I can't do it. No, you won't do it. It's not I can't, it's I won't. You can do it, but you just don't want to do it. Now, let me show you how that, what Jesus looks at hatred in my heart and your heart as. Open your Bible to 1 John... 1 John, if you will, in chapter number 3. Now, 1 John chapter 3, I want you to see what he says about hatred. 
Now this eternal danger is my anger. It's your anger. It'll destroy you. And Jesus is warning them about anger and the destructive nature of it. You're in 1 John chapter 3 by now, I trust, verse number 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. I've dealt with Christians before that are so bitter and angry and I hate them. I say, you don't have no right to do that. Yes, I do. And they, they're holding on to it and they're justifying it. They've condemned them, they're bitter, and they hate them. And they might as well have murder in their heart. And that's what Jesus is looking at. So go back to the text now, in Matthew, and I'll be done. I want you to notice what Jesus says. There's an eternal danger that every one of us has within our grip today. It's not what somebody else does to us, it's what we do to ourselves. It's our anger. Husbands and wives get angry at each other and there's no forgiveness and Parents and children get angry and there's no forgiveness. And siblings get angry and there's no forgiveness. And friends get angry and there's no forgiveness. And neighbors get angry and there's no forgiveness. And you get angry at somebody at work. You get angry at people you don't even know. I mean, they tick you off driving down the road. You get angry at them. And, Amen or oh me. And you're angry at somebody because they don't agree with you. And you're angry and you're continually angry. And if you listen to any kind of thing, they'll say, we got an angry society. Of course we do. And it's an angry society because they're not doing what God says. And part of it is, is because Christians are angry. Who's to be the influence to show the world that anger doesn't work? Us. Who is to hear somebody on the job site that's not running somebody down? Us. Who's to hear somebody where I'm at and where you're at when we're not inside the walls of this building that has the right attitude, we are to be the influence. We are to have the right attitudes. We are to believe the sacredness of the Word of God. And we are to say, I'm going to do this because God said do it. Not because I'm able, not because I want to, but because God said do it. What am I going to do? I'm going to get rid of the anger. Look at it. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry is brother without a cause... Should be in danger of the judgment. Okay, Lord, I understand without a cause. It ought to grieve me and not make me bitter. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna keep it tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go before I go to bed. I'm gonna do that. Keep reading. What else, Lord? What else? I'm not gonna be in condemnation of people. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna be grieved at it and not condemned at it. And whosoever shall say Raka shall be in danger of the council. Lord, I if you'll help me, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to have a bitter heart. A bitter heart is destructive. By the way, bitterness will eventually bring discouragement and cause you to be depressed and all kinds of other things because you're bitter at the world, you're bitter at life, and you're bitter at what's happened to you. and It'll just destroy you because it's all anger. Bitterness. Lord, I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to forgive people like you forgive me. And I'm going to do that because you said do it. And then lastly, in... Whosoever said thou foolish, but in danger of hell fire. And Lord, I, 
No matter what they've done to me, I'm not going to hate them. I'm not going to hate them. No matter what they've done to my family, no matter what they've done, I'm not going to hate them. I know those things are hard. I understand that. I live in the real world. But if you have those things in your heart, the condemnation, the bitterness, and the hatred, it'll cause you, number one, I know people that don't get saved because they're lost and they hate some Christian. God help you. Maybe they shouldn't have done what they did. But that hatred is sending you to hell. And you need to let that go. I know Christians that are bitter at other Christians and they do not, they're grieving the Holy Spirit and they don't have the peace of God and they're searching for it and they don't have it. And, and, but they're going to hold on to this anger because they're angry and you'll never have it until they get rid of it. Never. Never. And He gives us the admonition there, hey, if you're going to be right with me, you get get right with others first. And then I'll take it. It is amazing to me how many Christian people are ticked at somebody else and they never go to them, but they want to tell everybody else about it. Do you realize how wrong that is? Do you realize how eternal danger that is? For your own peace of mind? And by the way, maybe the salvation of those people's souls. You know why we're in trouble today? Because we let our anger control us. It doesn't grieve us, it makes us bitter. We won't forgive it because we are justified. We'll come to a point where we hate somebody and say, I don't hate them, I just hate their sin. I'm going to talk about their sin all the time. You hate them, that's why you're talking about it. Amen or oh me. I live, I live in a, as bad a flesh or worse than anybody else. I know. I know Mike. I have to make up my mind that God is right and Jesus loves me. And I'm not going to let anger control my life because of the eternal danger it has. Not only for me, but for my children, my friends, my family, because it affects everybody. Eternal danger is our anger. And I have a choice, and so do you. You'll either hang on to it, or you let God help you let go of it. One or the other. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I appreciate you being here this morning. I'm trying to give you something that God gave me out of this text this week. Not only did God give it to me, God dealt with me on it. There may be somebody here this morning, I'm not going to do this, but if I was to leave this pulpit and come back to where you're at, get you by the hand and ask you this question.